0: it's the underdog podcast from sb
1: nation and underdog dynasty
0: this is the Underdog Dynasty Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. It's time for another Sunbelt edition of the podcast, and I am Egman Chambers, your host of the Sunbelt Pod. And of course, you can catch me on Twitter at Radio Guy EC, my trusty co-host that joins me every week. You can find him at Watch the Stone on Twitter. He is the Georgia Southern contributor to the site. Mr. Brian Stone man, welcome back on for another Sunbelt Podcast. Uh once again, as we dive into this thing here right from the get-go, this week may go down as one of the most interesting weeks the Sun Belt has had this season. Some new faces making their debuts along with teams continuing some continuing to take steps forward. Other ones, other ones seem to take big steps back. As we uh, kind of start this thing off, my man, uh, diving in here with our two big things that happen. The first one is we'll start with Troy. I tell you what, for Troy, this is something I talked about last week. I said the recipe was here for at least a close game. Neither one of us predicted the upset, but I called for it to be closer than a lot of people expected. Well, it was that and more against Liberty in Lynchburg on Saturday afternoon.
1: I guess I gave uh Troy just too much of the benefit of the doubt uh with losing Caleb Barker for the season. You know Sawyer Smith had a had a really rough outing, and we'll kind of dive more into this as as we move along. But between Troy and Coastal Carolina, just two backup quarterbacks just taking some rough losses. Uh, so yeah, I mean we'll move we'll move more into this once we start breaking down the games individually. But between Troy and Coastal, it was a rough week for guys who aren't every week starters uh, under center.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you talk about our second point being, you know, our first talking point really about Sawyer Smith. The second one about Bryce Carpenter, who made his starting debut for uh, the Chanticleers once again. And Carpenter left a lot to be desired against Louisiana Monroe. Only 9 of 19. We'll dive into this more in depth when we talk about the game. But Carpenter, it, he struggled. I mean, Coastal Carolina's offense struggled as a as a whole, really. I mean, you just look down at numbers and you're going to think, well, it didn't look like they struggled too bad. But the numbers, I think, are, are a little bit kind of – I guess misleading is the word I'm looking for here when you talk about that Coastal Carolina game. And like I said, we're going to dive more into that here in just a few minutes. But i tell you, for new faces taking over for for the injured veterans, so to speak, it did not get off to the best of starts.
1: Absolutely not. Uh, You know, between Sawyer Smith and Bryce Carpenter, they combined – to throw for 260 yards between them, uh, each guy had roughly 130 yards passing, uh, which is really tough to win games uh, when you're when you're barely throwing for. Uh, I mean, I guess under 150 yards. Uh, Carpenter especially had a rough outing, only only completed nine of his 19 attempts. I mean, they ended up putting third stringer Fred Payton in, who went three for three, but uh, it, it was it was rough all around for for teams that look like they had started to kind of get a handle on what their season was going to do and you know Coastal's back to the drawing board without Kilton Anderson playing uh you know you really can't predict what they're going to look like now on a week-to-week basis and Troy I mean who knows who even knows how good Liberty is for that matter so I'm almost willing to give Troy a little bit of the benefit of the doubt but it's it's definitely a uh uh going to be a building from here on out for both teams as they try to kind of regroup from these losses
0: yeah, that's definitely the two big things to look at as we start off this Sun Belt edition of the podcast. As we move in to the week seven recap, uh, on last week's pod, we recapped the app Arkansas State game simply because we did not record the pod until uh, later in the week on Wednesday, and then they played the game and had everything uh, done on that nature. But to kind of just shortly go back over that game because that game was played on Tuesday night, we now have learned Jay. Jalen Moore's injury is going to be season-ending, thus ending his career as an Appalachian State Mountaineer. And uh, for this team, losing one of their key cogs for this App State team. But I tell you what, when when you look at it, there's a lot of guys on this Appalachian State team uh, at running back that people do not know yet. I'm going to name off a couple. Uh, One is Cameron Peoples. This young man is a guy I think you're going to see tape up. Now, obviously, Marcus Williams Jr. is going to be the guy that I think is going to get the initial bulk of of the new snap load. We've seen him play kind of like as that secondary or third option guy behind him. But Marcus is going to get more of the heavy loads. Of course, Darrington Evans, everybody knows he's a speedster that can make things happen. But there's some other kids, uh, Cameron Peoples and also uh, Dominique Hicks. There's some guys on this rushing back unit that saw action in the Gardner-Webb game. You look at it this way, Brian. When your number one guy goes down, what better way than to make make a statement for you to kick off your Abstate career than to step up when they need you more than ever.
1: Absolutely. And you always hate to see a guy like Jalen Moore's career end, you know, five games into his final season with the team. But uh, like you said, you know, you were mentioning a lot of guys from that Gardner web game. I'm just going to take your word for that. Cause I didn't, I didn't watch the App State Gardner web game for obvious reasons, but like you said, Darrington Evans seems to have a good handle on what this team wants to do as, as kind of the change of pace guy. And it'll be interesting to see how Marcus Williams jr. handles more of the, the, the Russian load with Jalen Moore out for the year.
0: Definitely so. That's going to be one of the main things to watch uh, to see how Appalachian State responds in the face of adversity. We'll dive into that when we go over their Week 8 lineup. So we officially start with Week 7 recaps now officially. Uh, from Thursday night, your Eagles traveled to uh, San Marcos to take on the Bobcats. And, man, I was watching this game, and at halftime you guys were up 10 nothing. I thought there was a little bit left to be desired at halftime, but that second half, talk about whole. Holding on to a victory, man. I, I'm sure for you, you were sweating bullets the whole entire second half.
1: It's it's not fun watching Bob DeBest call an offense uh, for four quarters. I'll, I'll just I'll just go ahead and say that uh, everything game script wise that you could ask for to go wrong is is exactly what happened. Uh, Shy Wurtz threw the ball 12 times after throwing it 36 times so far, total in the previous like four games. So that is pretty inexcusable from a play calling perspective. The offensive line never showed up to play, and it shows in the rushing numbers. They averaged 3.2 yards per carry and uh, had 164 yards rushing. That was just it's inexcusable and uh, to come out that flat on a Thursday night they were super lucky to come away with a win but I really hope that they they learn from this that you can't just mail in four full quarters of football on the road and expect to come away with a win every single time because if Everett Withers doesn't make an incredibly stupid call on a two point conversion attempt in the fourth quarter we're looking at a tie game and the way that the momentum was heading it was probably going to go Texas State's favor had they converted
0: Well, one thing I noticed by watching uh, this game was just – I don't know. I feel like obviously I'll, I'll I'll tip the cap to your defense because your defense definitely helped you hang on to this ball game and win it. You talk about the offense and, and the play calling. You know Wesley Fields, twenty six carries, ninety three yards. When you dive into that box score, he did have a, a touchdown for you guys, the lone touchdown uh, for y'all with uh, his with and a long run of eighteen yards. But once you get past Fields, I mean they're really – Fields had over half your rushing yards.
1: Yeah, and it's so strange considering how much uh, attacking the perimeter worked against a team like Arkansas State that they would just go ahead and just try to pound the ball inside as much as they did against Texas State. Uh, you know, you would think after a little while, you maybe try something a little bit different. And, uh, you know, those shot plays that they had been getting the, the past two weeks from Shai Wertz's arm just weren't there. And that's going to happen, especially like as the season kind of progresses and they get they other teams get more familiar with how they want to call their offense. But you've got to mix it up a little bit. You've got to throw something in there to make Texas State think twice. And it was a lot of uh, Bob DeBest had a bunch of bad first halves uh, leading up to this game. And it really showed because he had a bad four full quarters of being a play caller. So hopefully somebody grabs him and, and shakes him, awake and like he figures it out going forward because they can't afford to score 15 points every week and expect to win games
0: well shy words actually attempted over 10 passes in this game he was seven for 12 passing 51 yards good for a 30.6 qbr now granted you're never going to see a georgia southern quarterback have a grand qbr because they don't pass that much but was you shocked to see him actually put the ball in the air 12 times
1: yeah, because a lot of it was completely unnecessary. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't a case of Texas State was just shutting down everything and we had to go to the air out of necessity. If they had just mixed up the rushing calls a little bit more and given the ball to maybe someone like a Wesley Kennedy a little bit more, the Texas State would have been much more off guard and not looking for it. But there were entire series that went Georgia Southern throws one pass on first down, it's incomplete. Second down, it's a rush up the middle. Third down, it's a, it's a pass on third, nine, third, and eight. And then you punt. And it, you just can't run their offense that way because they're not built that way with, with their receiving core. And so you look at, like I said, someone like Wesley Kennedy third, who's a huge speedster, big play guy. You give him one carry for 12 yards the entire game. It's, it's completely inexcusable given how they did, were failing to move the ball on the ground at all.
0: Well, nonetheless, Georgia Southern with the win gets to five and one on the season, three and O oh in Sun Belt play. As we move on to Saturday's slate of games, it's only fitting we start with the one that kind of made the most noise across the Sun Belt in Lynchburg, Liberty pulling the upset of Troy, twenty-two to sixteen. The starting debut for quarterback Sawyer Smith, but uh, it didn't take very long, and we also saw Gunner Watson get action in this game as well. And neither quarterback sparkled with anything one looked like a better runner while the other one uh, looked like a better passer it's just one of those deals Brian when you look at this Troy game Liberty did enough. it's not like Liberty played a great game either I mean because they were barely manageable to get 100 yards rushing I mean uh, Calvert did a lot of things through the air but still as bad as Liberty played Troy played that much worse
1: yeah and a lot of it was when you just look at the stats i mean Troy turned the ball over 3 times which is incredibly hard to win games when you turn when you're turning the ball over and losing the turnover battle 3 to 1 uh and and it and it hurts like you you can see it later on in the game uh Calvert for Liberty throws a touchdown pass to BJ Faro with 223 to go and Troy i mean You know, Sawyer Smith didn't threaten through the air hardly at all. I mean, his QBR, finishing QBR was an 8.5. And barely barely reached 135 yards they ran the ball pretty effectively with bj smith sawyer smith on the ground couldn't do much else either and so it just turned them into kind of a one-dimensional team and you know sawyer smith at this point at least is looking like literally half the quarterback caleb barker was because at least barker could throw the ball
0: right and you know there there was a lot of people i've read online some people thought um, one is the better passer one is the better runner talking about Smith and Watson. I mean, to each his own. You saw limited action as far as passing from Gunnar Watson, but it's going to raise the question. If Troy does not, with this ensuing what is going to be in the books is a week off to get ready for a Tuesday night game against rival South Alabama in the battle for the belt, I mean I- – you know, if Troy comes out and wants to lay another egg, how long before maybe they throw Gunnar Watson into the mix? Because if you walk away with a loss and a very competitive Sun Belt East and you get behind the eight ball, if you go in with one loss while App and Georgia Southern are both undefeated in conference play when they go in to play each other, if you're Neil Brown, you start to sweat a little bit.
1: You at least have to be open to the idea of playing Gunnar Watson uh, more, even if he's not as talented as as Caleb Barker was, which I mean, I think Sawyer Smith has proven he's not as talented as Caleb Barker was. But at the very least, you have to be open to the idea and kind of throw them both out there, maybe in the first half and just ride the hot hand, because I think I think is Poorly as he played against Liberty I think they've I think Troy has enough muscle to just kind of get past South Alabama and move on from that point but when you look at the last four games you know save for Texas State they play UL Lafayette at home they go at Georgia Southern they play Texas State at home and then they go at app that's a rough four game slate to end the season and I I mean, not not counting Texas State, obviously, but the but three of those last four could be losses if they don't figure out a quarterback situation.
0: They very well could. With the win, or I should say, with the loss, Troy drops to five and two overall on the season. Liberty bumps their record as an independent up to three and three. Will we move on down on the Bayou, uh, we actually saw the Louisiana defense hold somebody under forty points. Now it was close. It was thirty-eight that New Mexico State put up. But uh, Louisiana basically put up double that. They put up 66 points up on the board in a round of the Aggies, 66 to 38. Uh, I'll just count this as credit, Brian. I'm just glad to see this Cajun defense hold somebody under 40 points
1: absolutely and you know looking forward i'm really glad georgia southern doesn't have to play louisiana lafayette cuz if they bring this offensive explosion that they did this week every week they're going to be a tough team to beat but uh, you know new mexico state once again proved they just don't have much of a defense louisiana almost put up you know 70 on them they put put up 45 points in the first half alone Nunez threw for 315 and five scores I mean it it was never really competitive after the first half now now granted New Mexico State scored a little bit to keep it close in the second half but they've just they're just too explosive for a New Mexico State team to keep up with them on defense
0: definitely so. I mean, when you dive into the box score, you look at Nuñez, he was 19 for 25 passing 315 yards and 5, counted 5 touchdowns, no interceptions and a 98.6 quarterback rating. Elijah Mitchell, 12 carries, 107 yards, 3 touchdowns. It's exactly what you expect from one of the top running backs in this Sun Belt Conference. So, Louisiana, they put it together this week. Now, granted, it's New Mexico State and So you just – you take what you can because this team, they, they have two wins. But, you know, I just don't see this New Mexico State team is a very good team
1: no and i think we kind of touched on their defensive struggles uh last week but you know when i think the most impressive thing when you look at their stat line for louisiana is when you go down their their leading rushers you've got mitchell at 107 you've got trey ragas or ragas, at 94 yards and raymond Calais at 90 yards none of those guys had a run longer than 36 yards so they were just pounding away uh at new mexico state's defense which uh, which looked pretty raggedy and and kind of has all this year. Uh, you know they even let Liberty score 49 points against them in a shootout loss. So uh, New Mexico State, it, it's looking better and better that the Sun Belt was able to drop them because they just can't really play with anybody on defense.
0: Definitely so. With the win, the Cajuns got to three and three on the season. New Mexico State they dropped their record to two and five. Well, as we move on, South Alabama they. Took on in-state foe Alabama State from the FCS ranks from the SWAC conference. The Hornets made the trip to Mobile, and did after one quarter. South Alabama through one quarter. We I, I thought was thinking to myself when I saw that this game was only seven to nothing after one quarter. I thought you have got to be kidding me. South Alabama is going to seriously lay an egg. Well, they had a sparking second quarter. I'll be honest with you, man. If it wasn't for that second quarter, really getting momentum going the jaguars way this game could have ended up being very very bad for south alabama
1: so one of the one of the crazy things is when you look at this game on paper there's nothing that would tip you to thinking that south alabama was going to blow out alabama state 45 to 7 i mean when you go down the stat line you know evan through for 155 and a score their leading rusher had 65 yards I mean, this is maybe one of the mo- the more, like, ho-hum blowouts you'll ever see. So uh, credit to South Alabama for picking up the win, but they're not going to be able to just outclass every team they play like this from here on out.
0: No, I mean, when you go down y- – the Alabama State offense was really non-existent. The thing about it is, their offense was non-existent, but yet through a quarter and then a quarter portion of the second quarter, they were right there in this ball game within striking difference. Three different guys saw action under center. They only attempted 19 passes between three different guys getting snaps for 134 yards passing and one touchdown that on the ground, only 85 yards on the ground Honestly, South Alabama did what they're supposed to do. But if it was not for that second quarter, we would be looking at this game saying the South Alabama has some serious issues.
1: I think they still have serious issues. And it and it just more comes down to the fact that even even against a team like Alabama State, it took, you know, like you said, roughly – three and a half quarters for them to finally put, him, put them away and like I said you're not just going to be able to out teams that you play from here on out so I think this indicates this is this is more obviously a negative just the way that they played but you you even go down the receiving uh, line and look Jamarius Way who I've been touting is like one of the top premier pass catchers in the Sun Belt only had three catches for 35 yards so I, I'm not sure exactly where where South Alabama's problems lie actually, but they, they're they really going to need to figure it out or it's going to be a rough rest of the season for them.
0: Definitely so. Well, with the win, the Jaguars go to 2-5 and five on the season. South Alabama on the FCS ranks, or I should say uh, Alabama State drops to 2-4 and four in the FCS ranks. You move on, our final game to recap from Week 7 before we move into Week 8 lineup of games. Coastal Carolina at home taking on UL Monroe. They were rocking those really cool all-teal alternative uniforms. They were teal jerseys and teal pants. But I tell you what, Brian, this game, it was 24-13 at halftime. Coastal was within striking distance, but still they were within striking distance after the third, only being down 15 points, but the the fourth quarter, Coastal Carolina just absolutely fell apart, hence why they lost 45-20.
1: Uh, this is this is kind of what i touched on a couple weeks ago when, when it was revealed that kilton anderson had an injured ankle bryce carpenter against troy really showed a reluctance to throw the ball down the field and take some chances and just looking at the stat line i mean either he was afraid to throw it down the field or his receivers just weren't getting open and weren't giving him any any space for them to work so when you when you combine those two things uh it's really tough to win games and it's also tough to win games when you're letting ULM's Derek Gore run for 147 yards and two scores.
0: Definitely so. I mean, you, when you dive into that box score, you look at Gore, as you just mentioned, 16 carries, 147, and a couple of scores. And then Evans, he was 16 for 22, very efficient passing, 224 yards and a touchdown for a nice 91.8 quarterback rating. Carpenter, nine for 19, passing 133 yards and an interception for a 17.8 quarterback rating. Left a lot to be desired. If your Coastal Carolina Carolina, Brian, I look back on this game as this was your first official learning curve slash road bump with your true freshman quarterback.
1: And the results weren't overly promising. No, no. (laughs) Uh, Um. So you know you want to go back to the drawing board, and and maybe you want to you know even if it's not big shot plays down the field, maybe you get a couple plays here and there to uh, get Carpenter more comfortable and in the feel of the game. As long as Anderson's out, Uh, their next two games are very winnable against. uh, They play at UMass and at Georgia State. I think those are probably pretty good games to help Carpenter get his feet under him a little bit better. But overall, just in the Sun Belt, it was not a great week for a quarterback play.
0: Definitely not, but with the win, Louisiana Monroe advances their record to 3-4 and four on the season, 1-2 and two in conference play. Coastal Carolina, they drop to 1-2 and two in conference play, and their record drops to 3-3 three and three on the season. Well, that recaps up Week 7. You turn the page and you look over to Week 8. Week 8 has some very interesting matchups to it. A couple of non-conference games sit on the tape, also a few conference games, and it starts with a Thursday night showdown. In prime time on ESPNU, Centennial Bank Bank Stadium, the site for an ESPN coverage game for the second week in a row as Arkansas State welcomes Georgia State to town. Uh, The line currently sets at 14. Arkansas State, from what I gathered, a 14-point favorite in this game. If there's any time for Georgia State to be catching somebody here, Brian, this is the perfect time to catch Arkansas State.
1: I I wholeheartedly agree, but I will say Arkansas State probably from the last two weeks has a lot of pent-up anger after dropping games to Georgia Southern and App. Uh, As far as that line goes, I like Arkansas State to just come out and just – unload on a georgia state team that uh that you know hasn't has looked so weird and spotty this season and just defensively has shown that it hasn't been able to hold up on a week-to-week basis so i i would lay the points with arkansas state i think they're going to come out angry after dropping two straight games and they're not going to make it three
0: Well, I tell you what, here we are talking up uh, or talking down about Georgia State again. You know, that seems to be a a theme that we just always, from a certain one's eyes, that we talk down on Georgia State. But I I tell you, this is a recipe for you have the plus if you're Georgia State. You're catching Arkansas State in the midst of a free fall because if they fall to 0 3 in the Sun Belt, it makes things very interesting uh, with Louisiana. uh, Lafayette starting to get their feet back under them a little bit out in the West because because that's the only viable, I think, team viable against Arkansas State. But still, I think you're right. I like the pent-up aggression that Arkansas State has. They know if they do not come out to play at home in this game, if they drop to 3-4 and four and 0-3 oh and in the Sun Belt, you can't tell me that those players and that coaching staff in Jonesboro will sit there and say, with three losses in this conference, we deserve to be playing in the Sun Belt championship game
1: absolutely and it it would be hard to get them up for the rest of the season and and try to keep that mindset of we're going to be competitive if you drop three straight sunbelt games to open the season so i like them uh i you know the only the only danger is with ul uh lafayette coming to town or them going to ul lafayette in two weeks you have to not overlook a team like georgia state but georgia state's going to completely hinge on what kind of pass defense they play and how well they run the ball and i just like arkansas state to be able to shut that down
0: As we move on, that game once again, Thursday night under the lights on ESPNU. As we move on to Saturday's slate of games, the first one to talk about in Kid Brewer Stadium, Appalachian State back in action after last Tuesday night's win over Arkansas State in Jonesboro. Uh, They lost running back Jalen Moore, as we talked about earlier, who is done for the year. So they're going to see some uh, new talent step up at, at a running back position that I feel like has got great depth behind. Minded for this Mountaineer team. There's just been not a lot of showings because Jalen dominates the ball carries and rightfully so. He should when healthy. But Appa's catching a Louisiana team here that is uh, getting a little of its mojo back, so to speak. They're up to three and three overall in the season. One and one in Sunbelt play. Appalachian State is a 26-and-a-half point favorite. Now, this game opened at 24-and-a-half, so instead of a big spread going down, this spread keeps going up
1: i'm probably zero for a lifetime picking app state spreads uh every time i see a line this large i think there's no way they're gonna cover this and then they come out and do it anyway so i'm just gonna keep it hypothetically betting these until i finally hit on one i like lafayette to cover the 26 and a half i think that number is pretty large especially with app state uh figuring out their running game moving forward and i think louisiana kind of hit their stride last week offensively so so, <laughs> I, I would take Louisiana plus 26.5 and just kind of roll the dice and see how App State responds.
0: Well, it's interesting this year in the Mountaineers' five games, they are 5-0 and oh against the spread. That includes the Penn State game uh, where they covered that. They were three touchdown underdogs going into Penn State, first game of the year. They were actually a 43-point favorite against Gardner-Webb. That game had a late arrival on the board, and they covered that with ease. So the Mountaineers have looked good against the spread. Uh, of course, everybody's going to be looking at the running back spot in this matchup. Who steps up? Who starts to, you know, make a name for themselves in the absence of Jalen Moore? So it'll be interesting to find out in Boone on Saturday at 3.30 on ESPN Plus when the Mountaineers and the Cajuns do battle. The next game scheduled for 3.30 is in Amherst, Massachusetts. It's the UMass Minutemen and the Coastal Carolina Clears. Uh, UMass comes in as a three-and-a-half point favorite. This is a game almost where it's bad meets ugly in some cases, I guess you could say, but if Kilton Anderson was playing this game, I would be all over the Clears plus the three and a half because I would think they would win outright, but you've seen UMass play in person. I haven't this year. Talk about it. Do you think still with a fr- true freshman quarterback coming off the rough game a week ago, this is maybe a kind of team that Coastal Carolina wants to play?
1: Oh absolutely. Uh, UMass uh, just did, does not have any sort of r- running defense at all. Uh, the last two weeks, they've played teams like Ohio and South Florida, and they've allowed 58 points in each of those two games. Uh, I think Coastal, if they want to get their offense cooking, they really need to do it this week. Uh, if I don't know how long Kilton Anderson's out exactly with his ankle injury, but UMass is a team that's just a mess all over the place. Uh, they're coach got suspended a couple weeks ago for saying something in a post-game press conference that he definitely shouldn't have you can google that yourself i'm not going to say it on here but i mean you umass is just a team that's reeling on all cylinders so i like uh coastal to cover the three and a half i think they win this game outright but i think it is going to be tight but i do think they come away with the win
0: well, as you mentioned, there's been a lot of problems around that UMass program over the past month. Uh, so it's it's going to be, if you're Coastal Carolina, this is a team at this point in the year that with the hand that you've been dealt that I think is going to come along that this is a team that falls at the right spot for kind of one of those in an old school term, a get-right game, so to speak. I think this is the perfect spot for a get-right game for the Shanta clears that is scheduled for a three thirty kickoff in Amherst. We move to the 4 o'clock game. You're Georgia Southern Eagles hit the road again, this time an old Sun Belt foe. You go from San Marcos last week all the way out to La Cruz, New Mexico this week at Aggie Memorial Stadium to take on the, uh, the Ford's old New Mexico State Aggies that we talked about from last week playing Louisiana. And so your Eagles on the road again, an old conference foe. But you go in thinking Georgia Southern shouldn't have a problem, but this all is going to hinge on that offensive play calling.
1: Yeah. And as far as on the road goes from a betting perspective, I would just continue betting against Georgia Southern until they give you a reason to bet on them Uh, at home. I think they they would cover what I'm looking at a line of 12 and a half. Uh, I think they would cover the 12 and a half easy if they were playing at Paulson. But something about the amount of traveling that they do, especially when they play these teams like Texas State, New Mexico State, they just take probably two full quarters to get it together, I think. So I like New Mexico State plus the 12 and a half. And uh, until Georgia Southern plays a competent road game, I'm not going to pick them as far as spread goes.
0: Yeah, I saw that the game actually opened up at 13. It's been down to 12.5, so that's an interesting thing to keep a watch on as well. Rain is in the forecast for that game in New Mexico on Saturday afternoon. Do you feel like from a perspective, Brian, that New Mexico State – Henceforth, Do you think this is a team that you can get by playing like you played against Texas State and still walk out with a victory, or do you think this team is a better caliber team as far as that if you play – the if, if the game is called the same way, plays are called the same way, if it goes in the same direction, that this team could sneak up and bite you?
1: I think that this game are- – or new mexico state's run defense is exactly what bob DeBess's like dreams are made of uh the way that they played against lafayette not letting anybody run for more than 36 yards on any play i think they're just georgia southern is just going to try to pound the interior all night long and if new mexico state's going to give give yards away the way that they did against lafayette i think georgia southern is going to look a lot better but as far as scoring points go on the road i i just don't trust them after last week uh I mean I like them to come away with the win overall but uh, until he gives me a reason Bob DeBest gives me a reason to to trust that he's going to be able to call full f- a full four quarters competently I don't have a reason to pick them as far as uh as far as a line goes
0: well, that game once again scheduled for a four o'clock start time at Aggie Memorial Stadium. Of course, our last or our second to last one that we're going to recap, or I should say, look ahead for, Texas State and Louisiana Monroe there at Malone Stadium in Monroe, Louisiana. The Warhawks, fresh off a victory over Coastal Carolina, Texas State just falling short of a big time upset bit against Georgia Southern, and uh, the the spread in this game is eleven. Going into this game at home, to me, this game couldn't fall at a better time for Louisiana Monroe. They're fresh off a victory to get a little mojo work in Texas State off a heartbreaking loss and their eyes to Georgia Southern. This has the potential. I love the 11 here. This game actually opened up at 11 and a half and has actually been bet down. So to me, if this game continues to get bet down, the more it gets bet down, the more I'm laying on the Warhawks.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think Texas State is going to be so deflated from letting uh, a Georgia Southern team come in and just basically steal away a win when they shouldn't have, that they're just going to come out completely flat. And, you know, I touched on this earlier. Everett Withers in that game made a couple of completely – boneheaded calls that cost him the game as far as taking tyler vid out putting willie jones to third in and then their play calling on that two-point conversion attempt where they just threw up a fade to the end zone for no reason i think i think it just by basis of elimination i think ul monroe covers this 11 easy and blows out a texas state team that's just going to come out completely deflated after last week.
0: Well, That's exactly what I think. That game of 7 o'clock start time on ESPN3. Now we are in the same shape we were a week ago with App State and uh, Arkansas State. That game went down in the books. Officially as a Week 7 game, but we looked at it uh, as far as on the Week 6 lineup of things. That's what we're going to do for Troy and South Alabama. It goes down in the books as a Week 9 game, but because they play on Tuesday night, we're going to look at it under the Week 8 spot. Spotlight. Troy fresh off the upset loss of uh, Liberty, and then all of a sudden South Alabama slowing their way to a victory, just kind of snails pacing their way to a victory over Alabama State. This is a right now, by records, you don't think that this is a, a tale of bad meets ugly, but the way these last two weeks have worked out yeah, for these two schools, it's bad meets ugly. And for Troy, if you don't get it together in this game, with the way your season stretch is set, to end, things go, will go from looking like heaven to well you know the rest
1: i think personally if if there had been we're we're far enough out to where there's not a line for this game i think troy would be about a four or five point favorite if there had been a line just based on the way that they've played I actually think South Alabama is going to come away with the win in this one. And I think Troy, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And they're going to have to f- figure out the quarterback situation moving forward because neither one of the guys that played really inspired a ton of confidence. Uh, and we, we touched on this, but Sawyer Smith really looked looked bad as their starting quarterback. So I actually think South Alabama, whatever the line is, and I'm sure Troy's going to come out a favorite, I would take South Alabama as and the points in this one,
0: if by some chance, and this is just f- a little foretelling here, if by some chance South Alabama comes out and they're a double-digit point favorite, would this how how much would it shock? Or I should say, if Troy was a double-digit point favorite, how much would it shock you?
1: It wouldn't shock me all that much because I don't feel like bookmakers know a ton about Sun Belt football. So I think I think if you know the basics about how the conference works, you've already got a leg up, but I I can't see, even if Troy wins, them winning by more than six points. Uh, Their their offense just looked bad last week, and if that keeps up, even against the South Alabama team that's really kind of struggled against conference opponents this year, I I don't see them winning in a blowout against any Sunbelt teams moving forward.
0: Well, and that kind of wraps it up. That game's scheduled for Tuesday, October 23rd, 8 p.m. on ESPN2 there at Land People Stadium. Well, we move now to our final segment of this Sun Belt edition of the podcast, our favorite Fun Belt Pick'em. So far this year, man, we are looking pretty stout. You are 20 and 2. I am 19 and 3. Yes, I got gaudy and uh, picked the Aggies over the Cajuns. My apologies to everyone down on the bayou last week. You made me eat my own bowl of gumbo. By picking the uh, Aggies over the Cages. So I apologize, but nonetheless, you are 20 and 2. I'm 19 and 3. But you look at our overall record, man 39 and 5. I don't think Vegas would love us too much
1: no we would be we would be buying several summer and beach houses if if they, if they let us over there to bet so no we would not be a favorite in Sin City
0: well as we start from the top here let's just take it as it rolls here Arkansas State and Georgia State on Thursday night I'm taking the Red Wolves their backs are against the wall it's do or die I feel like in this game it's win to keep your conference championship game appearance uh, hopes alive lose if you lose to Georgia State on national TV I see that as embarrassing for this Arkansas State team and so with that I am picking the Red Wolves I just think that their backs are truly up against the wall here and it's do or die
1: I think Justice Hansen is too good as of a quarterback to drop this game to a Georgia State pass defense that really just hasn't showed up outside of ULM uh, I like Arkansas State for a number of reasons mostly because Georgia State doesn't have the ability running the ball to take advantage of arkansas state's one achilles heel which seems to be their run defense so i like arkansas state in this one uh and and you know they really need a sunbelt win to kind of turn their season around and i see it happening on thursday night
0: Well, we both like the Red Wolves. You move on to Saturday, Appalachian State and Louisiana. The Cajuns make the trip up to Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone. Of course, uh, you know, they've been getting their mojo back. They've kind of got their feet under them a little bit for the Cajuns. But even with the loss of Jalen Moore, I'm still sticking with Appalachian State here. I think they are the better team. They're going to be ready to play back at home. It feels like forever since App State uh, was playing at home. And they're going to be ready to play at home against the Cajuns on family weekend, and Boone, a big crowd, is expected this weekend for the game, and so with that, I don't know if they'll cover the spread or not when you look at the spread. Now, granted, Appalachians had a – they're a little bit on a roll when it comes to Vegas as well. App may may become a perennial favorite as far as betters in Vegas because they're undefeated. If they hadn't picked up on it yet – then there's just something wrong but nonetheless I like Appalachian State to take care of business I think it's a game that might be a little bit tightly contested but I feel like I still don't fully trust the Cajun defense I know you gave up you just gave up 38 points to New Mexico State now granted it was under 40 which is an accomplishment for this defense but I, I don't feel like New Mexico State's offense is comparable with Appalachian State's
1: no and and that's kind of the reason why i want to go with app state 2 here with with my pick 'em. uh even when coastal was healthy they they ended up uh, beating Louisiana 30 to 28 earlier this season and you look at the last two games they've won 42 uh, 27 over Texas State Louisiana Lafayette wins 66 38 over New Mexico State I just don't think they're going to score the number of points that are required to beat an App State team like this and they're not going to be able to hold that offense down so I think that that ugly defense that we had kind of come to expect that has kind of gone away the last two weeks comes back to to kind of rear its ugly head so i like the mountaineers in this one
0: well, we move on. Coastal Carolina taking on UMass. Uh, Bryce Carpenter going to get a second crack at it, as far as we know, as the starter for the Shanta Clears up in Amherst on Saturday afternoon. I think this is a get right game. I really do. I feel like Coastal Carolina is a better team. I feel like the way the coaching situation has been up at UMass over the past of the uh, couple of weeks. I think this is the perfect spot for that get right game, and I'm taking the Shanta Clears.
1: I'll take the Chanticleers as well. I, I think UMass is just an absolute mess right now as far as everything with their program from the top down. Their their defense doesn't seem to be able to stop a, a nosebleed as far as especially on the ground. I like Marcus Outlow and uh, Marable to both have big days against a Minutemen defense that has just been lackluster at best, I think, this season. So I like, I like Coastal to kind of get... Get uh, Bryce Carpenter some good game experience while also coming away with a win.
0: Of course, uh, we move on. We both take the shots of clears, staying with the same teams this week back in our trend here. And Georgia Southern taking on New Mexico State. Of course, Georgia Southern escaping out of San Marcos uh, with their lives last week due to some rough play calling. But you know, you're on the road again this week. Uh, the spread there at 12 and a half, 13, depending on where you look at it. I, I still, though, when you just look at the pickums, I'm going with Georgia Southern because I feel like there's no reason why they shouldn't win this game. I feel like they're the much better team. I just feel like they're way better than New Mexico State. I am going with the Eagles in this matchup.
1: I have no reason to pick against the Eagles straight up, even though uh, from a spread perspective, I would not pick them on the road again until they showed me something. So uh, I'm going to go with Georgia Southern. I think both teams score a great, a good deal of points. Uh, I just don't feel like New Mexico State's got enough defense to kind of contain them the way that Texas State did. And I don't think Georgia Southern's going to shoot itself in the foot as much as they did, but I could see this easily being a 10 point win for for Georgia Southern.
0: Well, as we move on, Texas State and Louisiana Monroe. I don't think it's gonna take much to to pick this game. I think Texas State has been deflated. Once again, as I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, Ever, Everett Withers gets another toe, another finger, however you want to look at it on a game-by-game basis, out the door in San Marcos to eventually lead to him being let go. I feel is just inevitable at this point. And Louisiana Monroe takes care of business. That game is at eleven points. It's come down. It opened at 11.5. If it continues to fall, just continue to lay money on the Warhawks because I think they'll roll by three touchdowns or more.
1: Absolutely. I, I think UL Monroe has really come off angry after losing to Georgia State and getting just whipped by Ole Miss the past couple weeks before they beat Coastal last week. So I like them a lot over a Texas State team that doesn't even really have committed itself to a starting quarterback. Uh, I think Tyler Vit is head and shoulders better than Willie Jones the third, but the fact that Everett Withers can't see that – I'm taking the Warhawks all day.
0: Oh, definitely so. And our last game we're going to pick that's actually going to be played uh, next Tuesday night. It's officially in the books. is a Week 9 game on Tuesday, October 23rd. is Troy and South Alabama. Troy, after the upset loss to Liberty, will make the trip once again on the road for a second straight week with a new starting quarterback and Sawyer Smith at Ladd People Stadium to take on South Alabama, who is desperate, desperate, desperate for a conference win uh, you kind of led to this in a precursor earlier. I know you kind of already made it vocal that you like South Alabama in this matchup. Uh, here's my thing. this is To me, this was the toughest game to have to pick. I thought this game was by far the toughest game to pick simply because this is not the same Troy team without Caleb Barker. It's not. I don't care what any of the Troy faithful says, this is not the same team. That was evident against Liberty. And you know, part of me wants to go with the upset mind here of the Jaguars, and I'm really considering it, but... I want to trust Neil Brown a little bit that they can do something right in this transition of getting a new quarterback started because they know if they fall a game behind in this Sun Belt East, it's not like falling a game behind in the Sun Belt West. I mean, there's no such thing as a game behind in the Sun Belt West. In the Sun Belt East, a game behind is a game behind. And I feel like a one-conference loss here could really hurt Troy big time. I think a conference loss could be what actually puts them over the hill and I don't think it'll come right just yet. I'm going to stick with the Trojans, but I'm not very confident about it. I'm just doing it with a gut feeling. It's not like I have a ton of confidence. This is like one of those 51-49 kind of feelings.
1: I don't have a ton of confidence in either of these teams, especially the way that uh, Troy played last week, like we had talked about. The way that South Alabama played uh, even last week against you know Alabama State, um, But Evan Orth, in my mind, is just head and shoulders better than than Sawyer Smith is from a talent perspective. And I just don't I don't like the idea of Troy's defense being out on the field uh, that much. So I'm going to take South Alabama by a field goal. I think they upset Troy and I think Troy really does some soul searching after Tuesday's game and really has to figure out what it wants out of its quarterback position and how to hide those deficiencies moving forward after this one.
0: Well, we pick all the same teams, Arkansas State, App State, Coastal, Georgia, Southern, Louisiana, Monroe. And then the only one we come to a difference marker on is Troy and South Alabama. My man, our pick'em record's looking good. You're at 20-2. I'm at 19-3. and We're at combined 39-5 and five so far on the season as we get set to close out this Sunbelt pod. Before we go, uh, the one thing you're looking for, I'll go ahead and start it off this week. The one thing I'm looking for is I kind of have an idea of where you may be going on this so I'm going to take it to a different road here. The one thing I'm looking for is for Appalachian State to calm everyone's nerves when it comes to the running back spot. A lot of people in the App State community a little worried about who's going to take over as a full-time back now that now that Moore is gone. The initial thought is Darrington Evans, but I don't think you're going to see him do it on a full-time basis. I think you're going to see a little bit more of the running back by committee approach, especially over the course of this game, especially if Appalachian State gets up big, and possibly the Georgia Southern game. uh, next week so i'm looking for appalachian state just to tell everybody to calm down we've got this under control
1: I've actually got one that I think is going to surprise you a little bit. I'm looking for Coastal Carolina as a team to raise its game around Bryce Carpenter and really rally around him in order to pick up a win at Amherst against UMass. Uh, UMass is, like we've we've talked about a number of times, is a reeling program that really uh, has has no foundation and doesn't really know have any identity as far as what kind of team they want to be. Uh, I think Coastal has the perfect makeup of a team that can go up and beat umass so i want to see the coaching staff help bryce carpenter out more i want to see the just the offense as a whole to step up around him and help him really elevate his game so i want to see the way that coastal carolina kind of responds after getting thumped last week by ulm
0: well of course that's our two big things we are looking for for week eight my man, it's going to wrap up another fun belt edition of the Underdog Dynasty podcast for We Talk G5 Football and only G5 Football. Everybody knows they can find you on Twitter at Watch The Stone. You'll get your Georgia Southern previews and recaps up. I'll be doing the same with Appalachian State uh, this week as well. So we'll get all that ground basis covered because next week for you and me, my friend, is Rivalry Week.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it whenever it comes around, but we'll we'll take it one week at a time, and so I'm I'm looking forward to a lot of the matchups this weekend as well.
0: Yeah, a lot of good games this weekend uh, across the Sun Belt, as always. This has been the Underdog Dynasty Podcast once again, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for the Sun Belt edition. For Brian, I'm Eggman Chambers. So on.